0: PodRocket. I'm Brendan. I'm on the engineering team here at LogRocket. And with me today is Daniel Rowe, framework architect and Nuxt core team member. Uh, Daniel is joining us today to talk about Nuxt 3 and what's going on at the cutting edge of the Vue world. Uh, Daniel, thanks for coming on PodRocket. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Brendan. Uh, I'm I'm doing really well. Thank you. It's It's a real pleasure to be here.
0: Great. Well, maybe you could start by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Um, who are you? What you're currently doing at at Nuxt, and maybe a little bit about how you got there.
1: So, uh, who am I? Well, I'm I'm based in England to start with, which means that you can pretty much guarantee it's uh, grey skies uh, and a bit of a not not very warm at the moment. I'm. Uh, I'm in the northeast of the country. I have three cats uh, and a dog. I live on the banks of uh, a river, which is uh, as romantic as it sounds. And uh, how I got started at Nuxt. So before doing what I'm doing at the moment, I, uh, ran, I, I ran a, s- a small um, creative agency. And then I was, uh, I was headed up a tech team for a, an HR tech SaaS startup, um, and we we used Nuxt. It was part of our, our our stack. We absolutely loved it, and I was involved as a maintainer and contributor um, with Nuxt uh, even even whilst I was was doing those those things. So when the opportunity came up to uh, to to work uh, more, uh, to spend more of my time on Nuxt, I was really delighted to take it.
0: And so is that now sort of officially your day job, you're working full-time on, on Nuxt and, and that ecosystem?
1: So I'm I'm a consultant uh, and I, I spend, I, I split up my time in, in a number of different ways, but um, I am sponsored to work on Nuxt. So uh, a, a preponderance of my time is taken up maintaining the framework and improving it. So I've been, been spending a lot of time in the last, last uh, few months, uh, particularly, um, Probably actually about a year now, focusing on Nux 3 and doing what I can to make that a success.
0: Mm-hmm. So within that, how do you sort of spend your time? Is it mostly heads down coding? Is it interacting with the community? Is it planning? Like, what are, what are the types of things that, that make up your daily schedule?
1: I really love the breadth of what I do. So the and I don't know how, how much detail you, you want in terms of my daily schedule, because I, when <laughs> Nine, I,
0: 9 a.m., 9.30, <laughs> let's go step by step.
1: <laughs> well, it it's, uh, so I uh, I guess probably the thing that happens first, which is, I don't know how healthy this is, uh, but the first thing, my day pretty much starts with me checking on Discord and find, finding out what's going on. Uh, and and obviously the the GitHub notifications that pop in and the, the, the emails to and uh, Twitter dms things like that and I, I I think I get a feeling in those first few minutes of what kind of a day it's going to be when I when I see are, are there regressions from the the PRS we merged last night um h- how are things going um and and I will say I do stay in touch pretty much throughout the day throughout with discord um checking in on the the community and what's going on I read every single message that um, goes in I don't always um, I'm not always able to respond. And there are often people who do a much better job of responding than I am. But the value is huge, because people report uh, issues they're experiencing, or ideas for improvement. Um, sometimes they they don't even have the, the confidence to, to put this forward as this is what Nux should do. But they have great ideas all the same, and I'm always happy to steal them <laughs> and post them, or, or, or put a quick PR in uh, to improve, I should say with credit, but put a quick PR in to improve things. Uh, so the starting point of the day is is really sort of touching base with with the community, um, which I which I love. That's that's amazing. Um, but then pretty quickly, I um, I switch over to my uh, baby son uh, Ned. He's uh, two and a half, and I look after him until about nine. So um, and and pretty much there's not a lot of time between the checking of the Discord and Ned waking up. So uh, so I'm I'm then. Running after a toddler, who has a um, a boundless energy, and uh, and so that that's a really lovely part of my day. But it does mean if you try and get me or message me or do anything like that after after I've I've woken up, I'm probably not responding until bang on at nine o'clock uh, UK time. And then I guess for the rest of the day, it's it's a bit of a mix. So I might be uh, doing anything from. Uh, touching base with one of our ambassadors or um, trying ha- helping someone debug an issue um, fixing bugs triaging bugs that come up on the the framework um, I absolutely love when I get a chance to build a new feature that is a real real highlight for me and and seeing people use it too uh, sometimes we get people send in uh, links to sites they've built with with nux and that is you know a real delight um,
0: I'm sorry I could, like- I could go on and on but
1: I I feel I am to- totally in the weeds here.
0: No, this is this is great. Um I think there's one of the sort of consistent themes we hear when we talk to people who are working on open source projects is how consistent a part of their workflow in their day the community is and and how important that community is usually on Discord to the sort of evolution of the the project overall. I'm I'm curious if there's sort of you know, an overall community strategy that, that you have on the NUX team to sort of build and and maintain and, and grow this community—is that something that just kind of happens organically with people joining the Discord court and just wanting to, to participate? Uh, like, how how has that community built over time?
1: Well, I, I I can say for sure that we we are learning and getting better at this, um, and that's that's um, uh, at a number of things. I think we're getting better at communi- uh, communicating. So. Uh, our roadmap, talking about where we're going uh, in terms of the project. That's something we've not always got right in the past. And I think we're getting better at it. Um, I'm also really pleased to see that the documentation is doing doing uh, is, is really uh, getting better too, thanks to some amazing contributors. I think improvements to the documentation have a bit of a multiplying effect because people who want to be helpful and contribute um, often go to the docs first as they're port of call. And if they're able to find information and get information out of the docs, they can then pass on to other people. Um, having said that, I don't, we don't have a, a, a sort of written down community strategy or anything like that. It is very organic. So people help out. I mean, my own philosophy, I, I hope it doesn't sound too pretentious, but I, I feel I've benefited so much from other people giving, um, and I think giving is really key to ex- at least my experience of open source. People have given things. They've given their their time, their code, their, um, their, their resources. Um, and I feel like that's what I get a chance to do as well. I get a chance to give. Um, and I see the same thing taking place in Discord and elsewhere, where people are giving their time to debug issues for people. They are diving into projects. They are sharing repositories and code. They're taking the time to create issues and... Um, provide reproductions and things like that. And I think there's there's a degree uh, to which um, genuineness breeds genuineness. So when I see people helping, um, you know, out of the goodness of their hearts on Discord, that that affects the quality of the community. It's nice to be a part of that community. And I think I see people responding um, positively to that. I mean, it's not always... The case in every community, and I, I'm, I think we're really, um, it's, we're really fortunate at, at Nuxt to to have have a and great, I think there's, great community.
0: There's kind of almost this like uh, Goldilocks size or, or stage that communities get to where they're not so big that they need sort of formal structure and management and and lots of documents around participating in the community, but they're big enough and they're self organizing enough that they can sort of solve problems and, and have their own personality. And that's sort of a a stage that I think a lot of people who, who we talk to and and who work on open source projects really value where it just feels like kind of people are coming together organically around an idea or around a piece of software and like making it better as, as a group.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm really grateful, um, that we don't, I, we do have a code of conduct, for example, and I'm grateful that I don't have to go to it more frequently in terms of, um, but that's that's we're just it's probably a feature of our size. Um, but also I think the the kind of people who are who are participating.
0: Yeah, well let's let's talk about NUXT. Um, we had Alex Lichter on the podcast a couple of months ago who talked some of the lower level details of of NUXT, some nuts and bolts with with Null. So I'm gonna to try to not cover all of the same territory here. We'll link to that episode in the show notes, give it a listen if if you're interested. Uh, but just to set the stage, would you mind giving us a quick rundown of what Nuxt is, what the problem it solves is, and why I should want it in my my next view project?
1: Well, uh, where do I start? So, uh, Nuxt is a um, it's a progressive framework for building web apps. So, I love it because it's uh, it's zero config. It it's uh, you get best practices built in. Um, it's really easy to start, but it allows you to configure and make it your own in any way you want to as you go on. So um, it's it uses Vue as the, the underlying technology. So if you've used something like uh, Vue or uh, React or Svelte, that still probably feel quite similar. Um, it has a component-driven approach. Um, a lot of things are done for you. So the pages directory becomes... Uh, A mirror of the roots of your site. So index.view becomes just, you know, forward slash and and about.view becomes about your about page and so on. Nuxt does a lot of other things in terms of of developer experience, particularly that's true with Nuxt 3. That's, uh, yeah, I'll happily give you some overview on that. One of the things that sets Nuxt apart though is its modules ecosystem. So, and it ties into this customization thing I was talking about. It's possible to create your own add-on package that adds an integration with a service or implements something or even completely changes Nuxt behavior. We have one uh, one ambassador um, created this, this amazing uh, module that ties uh, your smart LEDs, your smart lights around your house into the status of your Nuxt project. Um, so as your your project is compiling or recompiling or starting up or closing down the lights change color to match that it that, i think that's cool but you can do lots of other things too i don't
0: i don't know what that like level of developer experience is but that's clearly like on a on another level from from what i normally expect from my toolchain um so obviously the the big news in in nuxt is is nuxt 3 at the end of april we finally got our first official release candidate. I saw on the website, you're targeting June for a stable release. Um, You've done a a ton of work over, I I think almost a year on this project, essentially sort of rebuilt from the ground up. Uh, What are some of the headline features and and the sort of most exciting parts of this release for you?
1: I think I'm most excited about two things. I'm most excited about the server uh, integration that we have for uh, for Nuxt three, and I'm I'm also uh, hugely excited about the developer experience improvements we have, particularly around TypeScript. Uh, happy to to dive into those if, if that would yeah, be please do be good for you. So the server, uh, as you said, we 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 rebuilt um, rebuilt it up uh, from the ground up. Um, nux two was was a, a clearly a Node plus browser setup, so there was a the um, at, at runtime that is um, and and we had a feature where you could output purely static files but if there was ever a backend it would always be node with nux three we've we've rethought that a little mm-hmm. so we've t- started from the perspective of what's new and different about the world we're living in at the moment so yes uh, it's really important to to render HTML uh, but we might not be wanting to have a long-lived server uh, sitting on a VPS somewhere rendering those pages? What would it look like if we supported rendering in other targets like um, Cloudflare workers, V8 isolates? Uh, What what if we supported rendering at the edge, uh, in Lambda, in serverless functions, um, in service workers, actually inside your browser, maybe other locations too, Dino? And the a lot of the requirements that drove the creation of the the server engine came from answering those questions. So for example, we couldn't depend on anything that was node specific or we would limit ourselves to node only. Um, And we wanted to create something that was universal, could be used anywhere with any target. So that changes things. We had to create an HTTP framework from scratch. We had to create a, a robust mocking system so that we could have virtual request and response objects um, that you could uh, interact with uh, that would work in a, in a, in a, purely in a browser and not just um, on the server side. Um, we had to come up with we had, we had to come up with lots and lots of different things. Um, we and then apart from that, sort of the rebuilding, rethinking the code. Um, and mocking dependencies that do depend specifically on node. We also had to optimize for cold starts and think about what a server looks like. So we use, for example, we d- dynamically um, import the code that was needed to respond to a particular request, which means that the the only thing that actually starts when you start a Nitro server, um, so a NUX server in production, is the code that's actually required to listen on that port, um, if it's listening to a port, um, and respond with a a request. So it's just the orchestrator. Everything else is dynamically uh, imported as needed. And obviously it then persists in memory, but uh, it it means that we have, we we were able to go, I was running the numbers just the other day on my my laptop. Uh, A bare bones, nothing added Nuxt 2 project took, something like 300 milliseconds to start. Um, that's, you know, not, not production infrastructure. That's just my laptop. Uh, a Nitro server takes three. Wow. That's the level of difference. The It's not only about speed, though. It's also about size. So the um, a, a Lambda or other serverless target often has a size limit. Um, a Nuxt 2 project, node modules... Uh, in production mode, so not the development dependencies like Webpack, took uh, something like fifty meg um, when th- uh, f- sort of installed a Nuxt three project. Um, we use a, a really innovative um, library from uh, um, Versal. Um, NFT uh, stands for Node File Trace in this particular instance, and it um, it actually looks through your de- your dependencies, and just traces what's used and removes the rest. So things like readme files or um, other, or, or even code that isn't actually touched, and it gets excised from the bundle. Um, so we actually then create our own. <laughs> <I'm> Go <going laughs> way, way into the deal. We we create our own node modules folder as part of the output, part of the build. Um, by default, that's seven hundred kilobytes with a Nuxt three project. So again, huge, huge performance improvements, and it basically means that we're able to do things like support zero config deployment, um, pretty much, well, conceivably anywhere. We have something like five zero config deployment targets at the moment, and the others just require fairly minimal config. Additional presets can be written by anybody, um, and you can you can have have your own. Um, we can always merge them back into the Nitro project, but I think that that is really exciting for me. So there's sort of zero um, dependency, universal JavaScript um, deployment. I, I love it. it. It it really floats a lot of boats for me.
0: Something that that may have sort of gone unsaid there is that when you're dealing with serverless targets, the size of the package that you're building also has a big impact on cold start times because that code just has to get downloaded to every worker, every VM that under the hood is is running one of these serverless environments. And so you both have to contend with the time the code just takes to start up and initialize and load, as well as also the time it takes to download the whole package. And, and obviously, if, you're, if your node modules folder has gotten chunky over the course of your your development that becomes one of the biggest bottlenecks to how fast you can respond to to cold starts. Um, you exactly. also, even if
1: you're not using that code, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. You also mentioned developer experience was a, a big thing you were excited about, and, and we touched on the um, you know zero config deployments. What else is is sort of cool or, or innovative from a developer experience perspective in nux three?
1: So, so I mean. I think a lot of it is what you don't have to do. The, uh, so, with Nuxt uh, 3, we have the concept a lot of things are done for you. So, your plugins are all imported by default. Uh, all the components you stick in your components directory are available anywhere in your app. All of the functions you put in your composables directory are also available anywhere. Um, and those aren't available in the concept of just globally registered. They are actually de- we detect when you use them and import them where required, which means your whole app continues to be bundle split and the code is actually only imported where it's needed. Um, but we use TypeScript to give you um, a lot of information about what's going on and what's usable. So it's it's all very well if something is is universally available. If your editor draws an ugly red line under it, saying "What is this and why have you not imported it from somewhere?" Um, so we've worked quite uh, closely. We we take over, we, t- we take control in some ways. We provide a, a generated tsconfig.json uh, file, which we fully configure to match the actual setup of the user. So all the aliases are genuinely the aliases that are relevant for that project. So if you have a custom source directory or you have a module that declares its own alias um, aliases, whatever, everything just matches. Um, there's no, none of the configuration that you might have had to do before with nux 2 to set up your TS config and make sure it sort of matched your, your actual uh, webpack um, config in that particular instance. Um, means we can give you type hinting for everything everywhere. Um, and that type hinting isn't just limited to globally available uh, components or, or um, functions. Um, and by the way, that is pretty cool when you're when you're typing in your view template and you actually get uh, type hinting for the props of the component that you have auto imported that is that is amazing. but we can also give you um, type hinting for things like the server routes so if you've created an API endpoint using Nitro and uh, you have a, a the response that it returns, we can actually give you type hinting for that in throughout your whole project so if you perform a fetch request to that endpoint the type of that fetch request is a promise. Yeah, the return type is a promise of the actual type that that endpoint returns, which is amazing. Um, and it, it all works when you type check as well. So you actually get the thing where if you go and change your API endpoint, um, but don't change the code that calls it, you will get type errors. And that's a really, really nice end-to-end kind of type safety, which a previously... I guess to, to get that kind of thing, you would have had to run some, some kind of code gen. Uh, maybe you would have had to use a custom library. Um, there are some great ones out there uh, that produce validator functions and things like that. But um, but it's really nice to get it out of the box. And I am such a fan of minimalism. The new Nuxt3 project starts with just an app.view file uh, and a Nuxt config file, maybe a TS config as well. And and that's that's it. Everything else just works when you create it and you shouldn't really need to configure your next config either Uh, it just should just just work it's um i don't get tired of that hey this is emily one of the producers for pod rocket i'm so glad you're enjoying this episode you probably hear this from lots of other podcasts but we really do appreciate our listeners without you there would be no podcast and because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome PodRocket stickers. So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts. All right, back to the show.
0: Obviously, the, the Nuxt 3 uh, versioning is, is tracking Vue 3. Um, were there any things that changed in the view core that enabled some of the, the major features that you're now supporting in, in Nux three or any particularly sort of impactful changes to view for you?
1: So I think one of the, 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 significant things that's driving innovation in this space, not just in the Nux space, but in the view space is, and actually not just the view space is, is Vite. So, uh, and actually not just vite but rollup um, because obviously vite is is built on rollup uh, and the fact that you can write rollup plugins so simply makes a huge difference i think so having written both webpack and vite plugins uh, I, I know which one is is easier to write and it's 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 going to be a, a rollup or a, a vite plugin a lot of the, a lot of what you end up doing to trans, to transform the code or process it is just, um, it's powered by regex. It's, it's quite, it's quite straightforward. Um, you do also have potential downsides of that, but it does mean you can, you can iterate quite quickly. You can release new features. Um, we've, we've built a, um, um, uh, something called unplugin as part of our work on Nux 3, which is actually used much more widely than Nux 3. Um, which allows you to write a plugin that works in Rollup, Feet, or Webpack. So it's a sort of universal plugin um, architecture. But even apart from that, I would say that the, the move to use Rollup as the base has has really accelerated the um, sort of development of some of the features that we're talking about, things like auto imports or or others. Um I think another another change in view itself that's maybe made a difference is so so obviously the move to the composition API and that concept means that we're talking about functions that you can call anywhere. Whereas previously the only way to get that kind of reusability across your project would be to use something like a a view mix which one didn't have type support uh, and two would have been a lot more complicated uh, to apply. Um, In Nuxt 2 we would configuring a lot of things with component options. Whereas now we're talking a lot more about methods, which itself then leads to another improvement. We can tree shake everything. Because if you don't use a composable, then it we can statically analyze that. And so it's actually, it's not in the build now. We don't need that functionality. Whereas when everything is in an option and you're enabling something based on whether an object has a property, you can't really tree shake that out. So it was very difficult to optimize nux two for um, that kind of performance. I was I'm I'm a um, complete um, I, I want to be in complete control of my um, my my code. I, I want to know what's happening. I, I would turn flags individually off, uh, even if it would only save a small um, amounts of, of JavaScript. Um, there was a largely undocumented feature of nux two that allowed you to do this. You don't need to do that with nuts three; it just just works without you having to think about it. But that's it's driven by this this composition API move, um, and a lot, <laughs> and then built on top of the composition API move is a move towards script setup. So, composition API these composables all run in a setup function, um, and the script setup concept is well instead of a script block in your view single file components, one have a setup block, effectively, where everything in that block uh, is exposed to the template if it's needed to be. Uh, Vue then does a lot of compiler optimizations on that. So it's able to tell what things need to be exposed to the template and what which don't. It's able to tell what things can be hoisted out of the actual render function and just sort of kept at a a higher level, sort of persisted across instances of the the component. and it's also able to do other interesting things like uh, res- setting and restoring an asynchronous context. Um, it only works in script setup, but you can basically uh, set the, the view context, run your async function, restore your view context afterwards, and it's powered by a, a transformer function and that kind of thing in fact we've written a very similar concept of restoring a nux context we've done We've done something very very similar in, in nux three. So I think in all of those instances, you can see a direction of travel that's been established by Vue three or by Vit, um, by the ecosystem, and I think Nuxt has taken that, sought to take that further, um, sought to to go in in line with that. So as as
0: you're working on on the sort of Nuxt core, are you? In close communication or, or collaborating with Evan and the Vue core team, or like, what's the relationship generally between the the two projects?
1: So, I, I really positive. Um, so, yes, it, relationship is is qu- quite close. Um, the the teams chat. Um, I, th- I think it's it's. Um, we're always grateful. Because it, we're, we're, we're quite inter interrelated in, in lots of ways. So we might face an issue in Nuxt, which is resolved by a change in Vue Router. Or um, we might produce something in Nuxt that gets adopted into the, the core uh, of Vue as well. And, you know, that's, that's a delight. It's really, really great when we're able to collaborate like that.
0: Yeah, I, I would imagine in some ways that you're kind of stress testing the API decisions and the design decisions of Vue in a way that not a lot of other projects are capable
1: of. Well, uh, I don't know about <laughs> I don't know capable of, but we, we certainly are uh, doing a lot of, of stress testing of features. So, for example, uh, suspense is currently a um, bit of an experimental feature in Vue itself. We've actually used suspense to build. A, a lot of really interesting things on top of it, including this concept of um, the whole data fetching uh, that powers nux 3 is built on asynchronous setup functions, which only work in a suspense context. So we are both uh, enjoying and benefiting from that and also uncovering any potential issues that there, there may be and doing our very best to uh, to raise, raise issues upstream and, and resolve those.
0: Um I, another thing that I think you've alluded to a couple times and and definitely seems like a big focus of Nux3 in general is composability and and the plugin ecosystem around the project. Can you talk a little bit more about that both from a a design perspective of like how you approached building Nux to to be this pluggable um, and maybe what are some great examples you've seen of of people contributing um, to the, the ecosystem?
1: There's been a, a, a move from Nuxt 2 to Nuxt 3. So in, in Nuxt 3, the, um, so a, again, pluggability for Nuxt is often through modules. In Nuxt 2, there was something called a module container. It was a, an object, uh, well, uh, a this context which modules could um, access helper functions from. They could add templates, they could insert plugins or layouts, could do various things in nux3 we've we, we still have a uh, a compatibility um container uh, that matches nux2 but we've actually we've we've exposed the uh these helper utilities in a different way so we're exposing them as a an sdk so you depend when you're writing a module you depend on the version of the sdk that you want um and then that uh SDK that that copy of Nuxt Kit is responsible for interacting with Nuxt itself, and instead of passing some kind of instance of Nuxt around, we've actually adopted uh, the composition API for the Nuxt internals. So we have the concept of a a Nuxt instance, which is accessible by calling use Nuxt app anywhere throughout your server side code. Bear in mind this is not Vue. This is you know this this is purely uh, Node uh, code. And, uh, and so we're able to write ut- utility functions that, that, don't, that can be used anywhere, that can be composed, that can be um, extracted from the actual Nuxt instance which they're operating on. And that makes, a, a, hopefully, a really big difference in terms of developer experience for module authors uh, and also compatibility going forward. Uh, we've, we're doing our best to, to um, make things compatible with modules that were written for Nux2. But um, really the compatibility that Kit offers is modules that are written today that use it um, going forward to NUX 50 um, should still should still work because the the way that the the those SDK functions are exposed should mean that that they they still do. Don't don't hold me don't hold me to that when Nux 50 comes out. <laughs>
0: Be, I'll be back for Nux fifty. Um, another another thing that I wanted to come back to was this sort of um, universal JS. I think it's the the unJS project that um, you know a lot of these sort of components like Nitro, I think like Nuxkit Kit sort of fall under that umbrella. Can you talk a little bit more about what that is and and what the goals are and, and maybe where that came from?
1: So. Um, it's always been the case that that uh, the Nuxt project has spun out uh, libraries that are used elsewhere, and um, until we started working on uh, on Nuxt three, they were in, for example, the Nuxt contrib organization on on GitHub. Um, we have a couple of others as well, a Nuxt community, which is where often module authors um, collaborate, but. Um, we felt we wanted to move away from the Nuxt namespace because the concept isn't that we are trying to grow Nuxt. I mean, obviously we're trying to grow Nuxt. I think, I think it's great. You know, I'm I, I, I'm delighted when anyone tries it out. But we're not we're not oppositional in the sense that we want Nuxt to grow at the expense of others. And we're not trying to. You know, this is this is a positive thing that we're doing. All of us. Um, in the open source community. We want to make the web better. We want to make people's lives better. Um, and our small part of that is how can we release and expose the code that we're using in ways that are useful to other people in other projects? So, we, we you know, UnJS stands for universal JavaScript and that that applies at a number of different levels. So it's universal in the sense that it runs anywhere. So we we often have projects in there that are to do with, uh abstracting away node do you know that kind of distinction Um, we have like a a fetch client for example called oh my fetch that works anywhere um and it's often about abstracting away that kind of distinction it's also about abstracting away deployment targets so you don't have to be locked into a particular um ecosystem anything works anywhere um, but it's also universal in the sense that it's it's not even about any one framework. So it's not just about Nuxt. It's about anyone who wants to use the code. And so I'd be really delighted for anyone to to contribute or um, get involved in any of those projects. Um, help, is, help is definitely wanted. Uh, and I would be really thrilled to hear of anyone using them as well in other projects, uh, even if they're competing with Nuxt. <laughs> it would be absolutely absolutely fine, fine with me.
0: So I I would imagine the next couple of months for you are going to be pretty focused on getting that stable release of of Nux 3 out. Um, But once you've sort of hit that milestone, what's next? What are you sort of looking forward to in the future for the Nuxt project uh, beyond beyond this next release?
1: So there are are a lot of of significant improvements that we have in mind. I think maybe um, some... We've talked about before. So, um, and and some of those Im- improvements aren't um, pro- li- likely going to be in in the uh, the stable release, or the, or there might be uh, partially there. So that there there are a lot of things that we we, we have planned, including things like a uh, IDE extension, browser browser extension, um, significant imp- improvements to the the CLI. We um, ideally. I would love it if people didn't really have to interact with their configuration. So it's it's there, but it's not this kind of dark art of figuring out what what you need to do. So um, and, and I think there's some things we can do to really really improve that, um, in terms of in terms of developer experience, uh, and that 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 would primarily be mediated through the the CLI and the the dev tools. So I'm I'm looking forward to those those hugely.
0: Great. Well, I'm I'm gonna stay tuned. Um, Daniel, thanks so much for being with us. Before we go, is there anything you would like to plug or or point our listeners to?
1: I'm very conscious of the the fact that um, we're sort of emerging into a a slightly different world post post pandemic, as things start getting a bit um, feeling a little bit more normal. Um, And I guess my own a, a truth that I'm I'm sort of wrestling with and coming to terms with myself. Um, it's just how important it is to to um, take time to to be kind, to look after um our you know myself, other people. Um, it's not nothing's nothing was ever easy. Um, we're not we're not going back to a place where no effort or care are required. I don't know. That's more me telling that to myself than than anyone else. But that's those are words I'll be seeking to by, That's for
0: sure. <laughs> Plug plug for kindness may be the, the most wholesome way we've ever closed the show. Daniel, thanks so much for your time. It's a pleasure to talk to you. We'll see you online. It's a
1: pleasure. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Podrocket. You can find us at PodrocketPod on Twitter and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks!